What's up and welcome back to the Locked On Bucks podcast. I'm James Yarko, joined as always by David Harrison. You can find everything that we're doing over at thepeterplank.com and make sure you follow along on Twitter at Locked On Bucks, at thepeterplank, at jyarko underscore bucks, and at dh82 underscore bucks. David and I are in the midst of recording what's sure to be a very long episode, but we want to address uh, more of the Jameis Winston fallout. Uh, and more than likely, this episode is going to be split between uh, Tuesday and Wednesday. We can't cram it all into one one publishing. We have time constraints. But we're going to go ahead and kick things off with what we had promised would come over the weekend, and then we had more Jameis news, so we had to cover that. But outside of the human element of everything that is going on, there is also the football element, and that's what David and I are here to talk about. We're here to talk about the Buccaneers football team. We're here to talk about football. It's unfortunate that we have to talk about these kind of messy, real-life events that are just – they have no business in social situations to begin with, let alone – us having to talk about it on a football podcast, but that's what we're here to do. So it's time to turn our focus over to how the potential Jameis Winston three-game interception is going to affect the Tampa Bay Buccaneers on the field. And I say potential because at the time of recording, there still has not been any official word from the NFL as to if or how long Jameis Winston will be suspended. So we're still going off of the initial report that it is likely he will receive a three-game suspension. So, David, the Buccaneers are going to open up the season with the toughest three-game stretch that anybody could possibly fathom. They're at New Orleans. They're home against the defending Super Bowl champion Philadelphia Eagles. Then they're home on Monday night football against the Pittsburgh Steelers, all of which we will see Ryan Fitzpatrick under center as things stand right now. Um it was a it was going to be a tough stretch to begin with with or or without Jameis Winston but now of course without Jameis it's going to be even more difficult do you feel just get it out there do you feel that the buccaneers can tread water enough to come away out of this three game stretch with even just one victory with Ryan Fitzpatrick in control I do. I mean, I'm not going to go as far as to predict a record right now because we haven't even seen what this team looks like in training camp. We haven't seen any preseason action. Uh, We haven't seen how the defensive line is going to look when they're all together, how the new secondary pieces are going to work with the defense, how the receivers are going to come out uh, this year versus last year, whether or not Chris Godwin, all the praise for him translates to the field or not yet. You know, uh, Rojo, we haven't seen if Ronald Jones is even going to be effective with pads on or not like there's a lot of unknowns still about this team because of the high amount of turnover that that the the roster has had mostly on the defensive side of the ball but in some very important places on the offensive side of the ball there's also been turnover you know ryan jensen coming in moving ali marpet to the left side of the line figuring out the right side of the line like i know demar dodson's supposed to be on track uh to come back in time and all that but Things happen. We don't know how everything's going to look, and and we don't know just you know Demar Dotson coming back is you know could be different than Demar Dotson coming back and being effective, uh, you know, or maybe he's perfectly fine and and it's like he was never injured at all. So I mean, there's there's so many unknowns right now at this point that 
Uh, I feel like it's it's more knee-jerk reaction than anything else that we can say about this whole situation to really get out there and say, oh, this team's going 0-3, this team's going 1-2, and you know. Um, I mean, it's it's feasible at this point in time. The team can go three and zero. You know, I'm not. I'm not. Again, I'm not going to go out there and say that they can. But if if Ronald Jones is able to increase the running game, even a yard per carry, then that's going to make that's going to do do wonders for the offense. If Chris Godwin is really that much improved and gets involved in the offense as much as his uh, the comments would would indicate, he might then that's going to provide another layer for the offense. O.J. Howard is coming back from from the late-season injury that he had. Cameron Braid is back for another year, rededicated to the Buccaneers. Uh, again, the offensive line has been retooled and has been uh, improved, at least on paper, it would seem, uh, coming into this season. Donovan Smith, you know, a lot of people have been down on him. The coaches have been high on him. He's saying he's coming back better this year. You know, hopefully, you know, that's all. that's all correct. And if, if he's better, then that makes the whole offensive line better. Uh, then the defense, we already, we already kind of talked about that. Like, it, it's a team sport, right? And I know I'm not the only one saying that, so this isn't, you know, breaking news. But Jameis Winston isn't the only guy out there playing football when the team is on the field. And Jameis Winston isn't the only one who's going to win and lose. I understand quarterbacks kind of carry that reputation of their, their team's win-loss records. But, you know... I look back, especially looking at the Eagles, right? The Eagles are the are the, are the Super Bowl champs. And, and we all know, like, w- w- without drawing the ire of every Eagles fan out in the world, the the best team in the league doesn't necessarily win the Super Bowl every year, right? A lot of it has to do with who gets hot at the right times. Uh, you know, uh, game plans go on to it. And there's, there's a little bit of luck involved in there as well. I mean, uh, the, the pass that went to, to – uh, Nick Foles could have been overthrown like the pass that went to Tom Brady. Nick Foles could have alligated, alligator armed his catch uh, attempt just like Tom Brady did. And, and you know, it, it just it, it's a game of inches, so on and so forth. All the cliches, you know, things can go any given way, any given Sunday, right? So this Philadelphia Eagles defense gave up 24 points to the Seattle Seahawks in December of last season. So that's near the postseason, the, the time where this team got on their roll, got on their run with their backup quarterback and and made their push to the playoffs and not to be disrespectful to the Seattle Seahawks but would you take the Seattle Seahawks offense or would you take the Tampa Bay Buccaneers offense uh I would take the Buccaneers yeah I, w- I would take the Buccaneers offense and that's you know call me a homer all you want but I I kind of pride myself on being able to be a little uh unbiased here and I would take the Seahawks off or I would not I would not take the Seahawks offense at all over the Buccaneers offense uh Russell Wilson or no Russell Wilson and that team was able to put 24 points on the Philadelphia Eagles at home. And the Buccaneers are going to be at home. Now, granted, they don't have the home presence that the Seahawks, you know, supposedly have. But the bottom line is the defense in Philadelphia is not impenetrable. Like they they can be scored on and and not for nothing, but they've got some veterans on that team. They're all a year older. They're all a little bit, they're a little bit slower, a little bit more banged up. Yes, they're a little bit more confident coming off a Super Bowl win. But how many times in 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 this decade in, in modern football have we seen Super Bowl hangovers? I mean, some might argue the Buccaneers are in the most epic Super Bowl hangover ever, uh, you know, having zero postseason victories since their Super Bowl win. So there, there's no guarantees that the Philadelphia Eagles are coming into Ray J as the Philadelphia Eagles that won the Super Bowl. A lot of things went right at the right times. 
you know, and, and not for nothing, but we've got two members of their own defense on our team now. Uh, so that's going to be a little bit helpful because, you know, s- language changes here and there, signals change here. And I know Frank Wright's not there anymore, but at the end of the day, those defenders know how that head coach thinks and they know, kind of know the mentality of that locker room. So it's going to help a little bit. I don't, you know, I'm not going to say it's going to give them the win, but th- that's something to consider. The Pittsburgh Steelers, they've been dealing with a lot of drama uh, themselves. You know, Antonio Brown has not been very happy, not necessarily with the team, but when you when one of your star players is stressed and is voicing that stress, that kind of that's that kind of has a tendency to to stress a lot of the locker room and a lot of what's going on in the field. Uh, Le'Veon Bell's situation is, has been ongoing. Uh, Big Ben, whether or not he's going to play, you know, is he retiring? Is he not retiring? So on and so forth. And their defense again is not the steel curtain defense that Pittsburgh has had in past years. Um, I'm not saying Pittsburgh's a bad team, but what I'm what I'm leaning towards is. I think Pittsburgh's status has been boosted a little bit in, in the last few years because of the decline of teams like the Ravens and the Bengals and, of course, the Browns. Like the Bengals and Ravens are not the competitors that they once were, uh, you know, a few years back. Uh, I know the Ravens had, you know, the Super Bowl run and all that stuff. The Bengals haven't really been as as much of a threat anyway, but they were better a couple years back than they are now than they were last year which of course obviously helps the Steelers kind of increase their status a little bit um so the, th- the thing is doable right and I, I don't want to undersell any of their opponents their opponents are good they're NFL players for a reason they're NFL teams for a reason they have winning records for a reason you know you don't just luck into winning records year after year after year but it's not you know I want to make a Star Wars analogy but I have no idea what I'm talking about so it's it's not <laughs> like you're not going after the Death Star using Lego jets. You know what I'm saying? I know that makes no sense, but that's the best Star Wars analogy I can come up with. <laughs> Kudos to you for the attempt. I get it. <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, um, that's one of the things that is that has driven me crazy uh, since since this initial report came out. Was everybody saying immediately, "Oh, 0-3 to start the season"? Well, we don't know that. I mean, really, you have no idea what's going to happen in training camp. What what if the Saints set foot on on their practice field day one of training camp and Drew Brees tears his ACL? Like, uh, are you chalking up a, a Saints team without Brees and Mark Ingram as an automatic loss? No. You know, same goes for the Eagles. What if, um, you know, what if what if Foles? tears his rotator cuff and Wentz isn't ready to go yet. Is that an automatic loss now? You know, as you pointed out, there's, there's trouble in, in paradise with Pittsburgh. There's some unhappy people there. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it'll translate to the field, but it could. I mean, Roethlisberger has been in this league for 800 years. It seems like, you know, who knows if he's going to be, the same old Roethlisberger or if he's going to be a shell of himself. And for those that play fantasy football, they know road Ben versus home Ben are two very different quarterbacks, you know, and Roethlisberger tends to get off to relatively slow starts. I am by no means chalking these three up as an automatic loss. I certainly wasn't chalking them up as losses when, when we knew or when we believed that Jameis would play, but just because he's the missing factor doesn't mean that they're automatic L's at this point. Ryan Fitzpatrick in 
his short stint as a starter last season played relatively well. He wasn't great, but he managed the game. If he can do that, play as effectively as he did last season in his three starts, the Bucs will come away with at least one win. I truly believe that. With an improved defense, hopefully an improved defensive scheme, but at the very least improved defensive talent, that that's going to help. That's going to help slow down New Orleans. It's going to help slow down Pittsburgh. You're not going to stop them. Those teams have incredibly talented offenses. Eagles as well. We don't know who's going to be under center for the Eagles, but you know their backup quarterback just won the MVP of the Super Bowl. As, as you said, David, we don't know what Ronald Jones is going to be yet. We expect him to be a vast improvement over the production of Doug Martin. Will it happen? We don't know. But even if he's just a marginal improvement over Doug Martin, it's going to help relieve the pressure of Ryan Fitzpatrick. It's going to help wear down defenses. The combination of Jones and Peyton Barber and Jacquez Rogers will help wear down a defense. You have Godwin in his second year. Hopefully he's continuing to improve. I think he's on the cusp of being someone we can look at as a potential star in this league. I think he's that talented. You have Bright, you have Howard, you have Humphreys, of course, Mike Evans and Deshaun Jackson. You have a ton of offensive talent, and you now have a quarterback who is a veteran in this league, an incredibly intelligent human being, and he already has chemistry with everybody on this team because he's played with them. He's practiced with them. This is his second season with them. Had somebody on Twitter the other day say, the Bucs should have signed Johnny Manziel. For what? He's not a better quarterback than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not a better locker room guy than Ryan Fitzpatrick. He's not nearly as intelligent, whether you're talking about, you know, natural intelligence or football intelligence as Ryan Fitzpatrick. I don't love Fitzpatrick. I don't, but he had the jets with virtually nothing on that offense on the cusp of the postseason just a few years ago. And he was two and one as a starter for the Bucks last season. So when you look at this from a purely football aspect, it is not season over already. It is not, well, we're going to have to climb out of an 0-3 hole. It's, let's take it a week at a time. There's a quarterback who has won games in this league, who knows how to prepare for games. He's not the most talented guy, but he can do enough to manage the game to get you a win. And we see upsets all the time. We see teams steal wins from other teams all the time. That's what makes the NFL so great. That's why we love watching it. Will an 0-3 start put an end to the Cutter and Mike Smith regime in Tampa? Maybe. If they can't crawl out of that hole, I don't think that Cutter and Mike Smith and that coaching staff are protected by Jameis being suspended for another, you know, I don't think they're protected beyond this season. If they, with or without Jameis, if they finished six and 10, 
seven and nine, I don't think they I don't think they're safe. But I'm not worried about their tenure at this moment. I'm worried about making sure that the team that they prepare week in and week out actually looks like a team that has been prepared. That is out there not doing the same stupid stuff over and over and over and getting dominated like we saw last year. But a team that comes onto the field and is competitive and wins football games. Right. And I mean, honestly, I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know what the coaches are thinking. I'm not in the, in the room with them. I'm not doing all the, uh, the off season studying that they're, they're doing uh, with them, obviously. But I mean, the, the Buccaneers needed to find a way to return to the run game. And, and I don't care if it's Doug Martin. I don't care if it's Charles Sims, Peyton Barber, you know, I was I was asked today. Uh, I got I got a chance to be on an hourlads.com uh, sports broadcast, uh, and and I was asked today about the running back situation. Obviously, it's it's one that everybody's watching, and the, uh, obviously Peyton Barber came up, and you know there was a little bit of surprise when I kind of said, you know, I think Peyton Barber is a clear number two right now, and you know he's 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 essentially going to have to lose that slot. Uh, in order for that not to happen in the regular season, that's and I truly believe that. And you know, if you look at the end of the of the Buccaneers season, you know, the last five games when Peyton Barber really came on, three of those games they went over 100 yards as a team in rushing. Uh, four of those games, you know, another additional game they went over 80 yards. Only one of those games did they have less than 80 yards, and they had 66, which isn't great, but it's not the worst that we saw the offense. Uh, the, the running game and the offense work last year either. So towards the end of the season, I mean, the defense still wasn't there. There were still turnovers from James Winston. I got it. But the running game started to get on track, at least for 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 2017's version, right? They started to figure some things out. And that's a that's a foundation you can build on. Now granted they don't have Doug Martin anymore, but they didn't they didn't really use Doug Martin in those games anyway. It was it was Peyton Barber and it was a, a banged-up offensive line. Now they're coming back a little bit healthier. They've got some schemes in place. Hopefully they can, like I said, they can kind of build off of that because in the beginning of the season, you remember, you know, the Bucks came out the gate, uh, gates after the hurricane and all that, 2-1. and one. And in the two wins they had, they went over 100 yards rushing. And they had 90 yards rushing against the New England Patriots. And we all know, we all know, Tom Brady knows, you know, Giselle knows that the Buccaneers should have won that game. They, they let that game get away from them after that new england game the the rails the rails went and i had up to go back to and watch a whole lot of all 22 that i honestly don't have the time in my day-to-day life to watch so you know maybe hopefully i don't know trevor if, if he hears this maybe he can go and do that because he's a he's better at that stuff than i am anyway but the buccaneers then rattled off four straight losses right following that new england patriots game so five straight losses with the patriots game but four straight losses after their last 90 yard 90 yard game and it wasn't until they had another 90 yard game that they got their next win and that was against the new york jets with ryan fitzpatrick you know at quarterback uh they had 94 again against atlanta and then they had the five game five game stretch but by the time we hit atlanta our defense was so gassed our defense was so banged up i think tj ward honestly had probably quit uh, because he, you know, he's come out since and said he wasn't used correctly, and I agree, he wasn't used correctly. Um, you know, everybody was just tired, and and they were all, de- you know, Gerald McCoy. I think I don't know, I don't remember which week exactly he hurt his bicep, but you know, he's getting banged up. I mean, Chris Baker probably had checked out by. I mean, 
by the time that the Buccaneers got their running game back on track, the thing had gone so far off the rails that there really wasn't any bringing it back, I don't think. But if you look at the way they opened the season, should have been 3-1, and one, right? They won against the Bears, beat the Giants, should have beat the Patriots, lost to the Vikings, should have been 3-1. and one. Three of those four games they had 90 or more rushing yards. So even though this team focuses on Jameis Winston, even though he's the face of the franchise, he's the arm, you know, the future, weapons for Winston, all that stuff, this offense still came out looking to establish the run, looking to to, to use the run to, to impose their will on opponents. And for the most part, it worked in the first quarter of the season. Um, some bad breaks, some bad, some mistakes, you know, uh, OJ Howard reading, what was it reading the left shoulder versus the right shoulder? I don't know, whatever it was, it led to a two and two start. And then the, the, the wheels came off after that. And the running game pretty much just disappeared from that point forward. So I believe, you know, I, I would think that if you're looking at it from a coaching standpoint, you kind of realize that when the running game is going well, even with Jameis Winston, even without Jameis Winston, our team has a chance, has a fighting chance. So we need to get that thing going. So even if Jameis Winston's on the field week one, I still think there's a rededication to the running game with Peyton Barber, with Ronald Jones, and then whatever other two running backs of the three remaining between Jaquiz Rogers, Charles Sims, and Sean Wilson make the team uh, to help kind of bolster that. I don't think we're going to have, I honestly think we're going to have more of a 50 50 split between running backs, like at the top of the, the carry chart, maybe like a 55 45 split between whoever leads the top two. But I think we're going to see a very balanced attack. And we, I think we're honestly probably going to see that whether it's James Winston under center or not. So I don't really think this changes a whole lot of what the Buccaneers probably were going to try to do because the bottom line against these three teams, you can't give them the ball, you know, uh, the entire game. If you do, you're just asking for trouble. So you've got to try to control the clock a little bit. You've got to try to establish the run. And I know you really like to do that against anybody. But looking at these three teams especially, you really need to do that because these are offenses that can very quickly get rolling. If you don't give your defense time to adjust, time to breathe, and time to recoup or regroup after a series or a time to you know even celebrate a, a quick you know, three and out or whatever, then this is an offense that's going to attack you. These are offenses that are going to attack you quickly. So I don't know. I, I kind of feel like even if – you know, the suspension wouldn't come down, or even if it was only one game, I still feel like, you know, Philly and Pittsburgh, the game plan is going to be the same, whether it's Jameis Winston under quarterback or Ryan Fitzpatrick under quarterback. All right. This has been part one of a long episode, excuse me, that David and I have recorded Uh, coming up tomorrow. When you're listening to this, we will be addressing all of the Twitter interactions and emails that we received uh kind of airing out your thoughts answering your questions addressing your concerns but until then make sure that you're following everything that we're doing over at thepewterplank.com and make sure that you follow along on twitter at locked on bucks at the pewter plank at jayarco underscore bucks and at dh82 underscore bucks thank you all so much for joining us right here at Locked on Bucks.